you. Uh, we are walking into a new series called People Matters because people matter. And, and specifically, uh, there's this thing that is the generational divide. And we're going to talk into that a bit. But, but first, a little quiz on the eras. So if you, oh, hey, welcome to those of you in the online moment. So glad you're here. So we're going to ask folks to raise hands and whatnot. We have communion at the end of the service. So, so prepare your setting for communion. And uh, you can even be lifting up a hand and respond in, in this moment as well. All right. How many of you remember when the first iPhone came out? Like that's part of a memory that you have. Can you lift up a hand with that? All right, several hands. Great. How many of you happen to remember? That was 2007, by the way, if your memory goes back that far. How many of you remember when Blue's Clues, you know, Steve and Blue and Magenta were introduced? Can you raise a hand if you remember them? All right. My, my grandson loves Blue's Clues. Um, how many of you remember when chicken nuggets became a thing, when those were introduced? That'll change your life, won't it? 1981, by the way, if you remember that. Uh, how, and how cool are people that remember when uh, Neil Armstrong first set foot on the moon? Do you remember that in your lifetime? All right, 1969. Okay, how many of you remember when the Detroit Lions won their last Super Bowl? How many of you remember that? Less hands, 1957, 1957, if you remember back that far. And now we're continuing to pray for miracles. Uh, different generations are often marked by different moments, and we will get to that. Let's go into the Word of God. It's Joel chapter 2. God has something. God is at work in each and every generation. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. <clears throat> and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your old men, they're going to dream dreams. Uh, your young people are going to see visions. Even on servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I was reflecting last night to Bill. Bill, Bill's working the screen, the slides and, and whatnot. And I said, Bill, I don't know. It's a pretty simple word today. It's a pretty simple, but I, I'm so excited about it. I, I just feel, I feel, I feel, and he, and, and, and when, when, when we walked through what this was going to be, he goes, yeah, it's just common sense. But, but, but God's in this, that, that God has something for you. And, and in the scripture, we're just reminding you of something that you already know, but God is going to speak. Did you catch this in the word of God? That God is going to speak from one generation to the next. That it's the youngins, it's the young adults, it's the older ones, that every one of those generations, but, but yet there's a uniqueness. Well, this one's gonna have visions and this one's gonna prophesy and this one's gonna dream dreams. Something was unique and distinct to each generation but the Holy Spirit was definitively at work in speaking to myriads of generations through each one. In the book of Joel, there's a theme that runs throughout. And here's the theme that runs throughout. Y'all got hard hearts, like hearts of stone. And I, I wanna, I, here's, here's what God wants to do. God says, I wanna take your heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh. I mean, I want, I want to give you a, a, a full-on human heart just like I intended as I created that, that your heart will beat after the things that my heart beats after, but you're all a stone-cold hard-hearted. 
And in this era, it feels like the enemy is particularly at work to create a stone-cold hard-heartedness towards people who have a different generational era. It just is. It's never meant to be that way. Never meant to be that way. And here's what I believe is going to happen. That in this moment, God is going to give you a real heart for not just your generational tribe, not just your distinct era that's got it all together, but God is going to give you a heart for varying generations because that's what the Word of God says needs to take place. Uh, what we're going to do to, to guide us along the way is we're going to look at the life of an individual named Timothy. Timothy, uh, we don't hear a lot about him, but he winds up being all kinds of places. He winds up being all kinds of places because he's multi-generationally connected. And one of his deep friends is Paul, the great church planter of the early church that trekked all through varying parts, and, and Timothy helped. And uh, we're going to get into some of, some of Timothy's whereabouts in a moment, but 2 Timothy 1.5 says this. And Paul, that friend, that older, is writing to the younger man. <clears throat> I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first did, lived in your grandma Lois and then lived in your mama Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. Uh, Timothy is a biracial individual. We don't hear about his dad here. We hear about him in Acts chapter 16. His dad was a Greek. And, and, and we don't know much about him. We don't hear him mentioned as a person of faith yet at this point in time. But, but him being a Greek and a Jewish person, he, he then didn't belong in either cultural sphere, but yet he had a foot in every cultural sphere. That's why he was so highly effective going with Paul to the varying places that had Jewish and Greek individuals there. Um, question. You don't got to raise your hand on this. Just, just kind of lift your heart up. Any, any of you have a praying grandma? I mean, it mentions Lois in this. Anybody got a praying grandma in your midst? And, and if you don't, that's okay, but maybe you get to become that person for the next generation. You can flip that, that miss, and you get to be that person. Um, my grandma, I want you to think about grandma types. My grandma made the best apple pies. I think it was in the crust. You'd get with her, and I'd be, you know, I would be sous chef, and you're, you're slicing up the apples. And no, no recipes. Never, ever, ever. When, when, when a grandma can cook, or when somebody can cook, anybody can cook, there's never recipe. It's just like flour and water, things flying up in the air, and then there's, these beautiful pastries begin popping out, and, and, and apples, and cinnamon, and, and whatever else went in that. And she would make so many at one time, throw them in the freezer, share them with everybody. It was phenomenal. But, but more so than receiving great apple pie from my, my grandma Manus, um, I received a woman who trusted God and she loved people. And she trusted God and she loved people. And that is a gift when we receive it <clears throat> or when we extend it. Um, what you're going to look at now is a Rembrandt and it is simply called 
Timothy and his grandmother. That's what the Rembrandt is called. Rembrandt's average price, when they're sold, now this one hasn't been sold, the average price, $20 million. The most recent one was $40 million that went out, so we might be saying on the shy. I, I just want to tell you, if you've got somebody in the above generation that's praying for you, like, like, like Lois is, investing in you, it's worth more than 20 million bucks. It, it is so highly valuable. Uh, so when you look at that picture right there, what we're seeing is wisdom of the ages and energy of youthfulness. And God intends these things to come together. That, that when, when, we, when we get full on in a way in which we're living life alive as a church family, we have this ancient modern flavor and feel about us. And you kind of know it when it happens because we're connected so deeply and wonderfully to the things of the past, but they're the things that, that have this, they have this, they have, it, it's, it's truth for the ages is what it is. But, but it's packaged and delivered and communicated in a way that people understand today. And there's something beautiful when the generations get together. By, by the way, uh, take a little time. Would you look around? I know if you're online, it's, you can look around, but, but, but go ahead. Just look around. Look around at the faces. Kind of make some generational judgment points to, to a certain extent. Don't, don't sin and judge. Just kind of uh, assess things around you right now for a little bit, you know? Got a good view up there in the loft. And we get to be a multi-generational church family. It's, it's crazy cool. It does come with intention. It doesn't happen by accident. You know what happens by accident? Become a one-generational church family. For what it's worth, the life cycle of a church is pretty consistent with the life cycle of an individual. And long and short of it means that that church family wound up, woohoo! They might have reached them well, but they reached one generation. When I came to this church family, it was amazing. I began to hear people talk about other people who have since gone to be with the Lord. And, and I would hear about it in such a way like, oh, I learned so much from uncle so-and-so or sister so-and-so or brother so I learned so much. And they would say what they learned from, or say what they did and then I go, well, you exemplify that to a T. And it's just beautiful. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful in your midst. Uh-uh. And then I watch at these highly capable people at some point in time with the next generation go, hey, hey, not like dumping on them, but why don't, why don't you take voice? Why don't you have lead? Why, why don't you have some say? Maybe we'll hold it together for a while. We'll just hold this thing together for a while. And you know what? I want you to just take it, but know that I'm in this support role. I'll, I'll serve alongside. It's just this beautiful thing. And this is how churches, families become churches for the ages. Let's go to this, this biographical sketch of Timothy, but we're gonna look at a map uh, to look at this right now. And you're gonna see that he grew up in a town, he grew up in Turkey, it's called Lystra, is where he grows up. And when you see the yellow and the red line, those are trips, long missionary trips, that he took with Paul, the great church planter. So he went to all kinds, of, you don't see the different towns that he went to, but you see all the different places. And then you're gonna notice that there's, that there's at least five Spots on there. One is the first stop that he stayed at, and let's just say he averaged about a year in each spot, Thessalonica. 
there's a couple letters written to the church in Thessalonica. Uh, Corinth, there's word of God was written to the people of Corinth. Philippi, and, and Paul's writing all these letters to, there, there's the book of the Philippians, Berea. They didn't get a letter, but he was there. Timothy was there, you know? Hooray for the Bereans. Uh, there might be a church called the Bereans somewhere. Ephesus, when he, Paul was a long-standing pastor and would become the bishop of Ephesus. He also, when he was in Corinth, was on Paul's team, and he was one of the editors that helped write the book of Romans, that, that went in and when uh, when Paul finishes his last words to Timothy it's 2nd Timothy he goes hey Tim I'm in jail right now man it's getting cold can you would you please come visit me and uh, hey my young friend would you bring me that coat that I left in Troas and can you gather my my, my writings the, the journals and the scrolls I'd really love to have my journals and scrolls back in that, in that coat. And uh, Tim, can you, come, can you come see me? Well, I was flying after we visited my daughter Cindy, her husband Travis. You're not gonna see pictures of my grandson, but he's a cute little dude. He's a, he's a handsome little guy, uh, 10 months old. His name's Raven. And, and we went uh, to a zoo for what it's worth, a little zoo. And I noticed there's this other mom going, hey, Raven, get over here. Like, like, I thought Raven was this out there name. Not in California. It's just very middle of the road. Uh, all, the, all the names in California are pretty snappy, uh, whatnot. <clears throat> so flying back. And we're flying from California towards Colorado. This thought of the generations is in my mind. And I'm, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, okay, we're going to be talking about this generational divide, and there is such a thing. It's not supposed to be a divide, but a gap. But, but a gap is actually a way that you can get someplace. You can actually get through a gap. And then I begin looking below, and I begin to see these kind of sights that you're going to see now. I'm seeing vistas and plateaus and valleys, mountaintops, but, but as you look at them together, they are very distinct. They are very distinct in the landscape. But they kind of move in one to the next, and there are ways that you can traverse and get to the next. And when you look at them as a whole, it is utterly beautiful. It is utterly beautiful when you begin to look at the landscape of our world. But, Lord, but, but, but I also think the Lord said, when you look at the landscape of the history of the generations, or even just the generations that are around you, it may seem difficult to understand and get from one to the next, but God has put our generations together with deep intentions. And oftentimes generations can even be defined just like, some of our lives can be defined by marked moments, complicated times, difficult events and situations. But know this, that God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So even if there's quirkiness in how a generation gets framed, God can work that together for the good for all people. sat down with a, a smart group. Most of them were 20-somethings. Uh, so I don't know, somewhere between millennial and, I'm gonna look at my list here. Oh, and, uh, and Gen Zs, they're really smart. A few folks my age in the group. And, and we looked at something we're gonna get to in, in just a, a little bit. We won't peek at the generational list quite yet. But um, began to converse with them. And, and Brett, 
who does video production work or just production engineer with us. Uh, and I'm using some of his quote with, some, with this dynamic. Beauty is always distorted by the enemy. Saw that landscape, how beautiful it was, and it might be hard to traverse and get to one piece of topography to the next, but beauty is always distorted by the enemy. And even the fact that if you're, as you're created male, you're created female, even in those senses, there's this sense that the enemy would like to steal and kill and destroy, the, you know, the beauty, the dynamic in, in which we're made and, and, and put together, because, because the enemy hates children. The enemy hates hates the next generation. The enemy hates humanity. God loves people. God loves you. And God is for you. And God wants to continue to breathe life into you one generation to the next. God is the God of life. And there is life as we look at our connectedness generationally. So I was in church camp. Going into my senior year of high school. Just barely 17 years of age. And it's one of those rallying cries in this church camp moment where they go, all right, we want those of you who are called into ministry to stand up right now. And I just say, I know that church followers of Christ, we, we're all, we're all in ministry. We are all in ministry. And every once in a while, sometimes that little distinction gets made. Who's gonna do this like this? You feel like you're called that this is gonna be your vocational job. And there's about 200 middle school and high school students in the crowd and I'm sitting next to some of my dearest friends. They are far more smarter and adept in the word of God than I am. Uh, they have far many more skills and abilities than I do. And I, I am thinking, oh, I guess this is when we all stand here, huh? I, I knew I was supposed to go into this kind of role when I was 14. I'd never told anybody. I was actually kind of embarrassed about it. I don't want to go, I don't remember. I just, I just, I'd never told a soul. And so now in a big crowd of people, I'm gonna get outed on this. But I think, hey, I'm with my friends. Let's just all stand up. And I stand up, and my buddy's butts are glued to the seat. And I was hot. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to be standing up. I didn't want people talking about me. And it was one of those moments they just kept, you know, one of those revival kind of moments, and they just kept talking. And I'm standing. There's 12 of us standing. 12 out of 200, I think, what up? pile of crock this is. This didn't turn out well, did it? Hardly any of us are standing up. And then, and then, this, then this ancient individual that I'm pretty sure was in his mid-30s right now. Uh, and it's not necessarily a run-the-aisle kind of place. I mean, there's praise of it. But he starts running the aisles. He starts running the aisles. Go, woo Praise God! It's worth it all! It's worth it all! He's the guy who's been coming year in and year out working with that youth camp year in and year out and he comes up front and he blubbers around for a while and just I was like it's worth it all it's worth it all so sick of you guys so this is finally it's worth it all you know just uh and he sits down and they I'm still saying they, they keep taking their sweet time about this thing I'm embarrassed I'm hot very anxious and then they start doing this little thing. Started on that side. And there's olders behind us. They go, who'll take this one? Who's gonna pray for this one? In this next, who's gonna pray for, who's got, okay, you got them. Who's gonna, who's got this one? Oh, you're gonna pray for, okay. And finally it begins, I'm just, oh. 
the point and the direction was towards me. Who's got Jimmy? And in the back from my church was an individual named Chet Mueller. I didn't know Chet that well, but he was, he was really quiet. Builds houses, builds good houses. All the Mueller boys build houses. I think he's about the age I am now when this happened. He was really old, is what I thought. 17-year-old Jimmy thought, this old dude is. Chet stands up. He's got this smile on his face. And he goes, he points. He goes, I got Jimmy. I was still a little anxious, but I, there's something that happened. It's like, okay, this is all right. I'm going to ask that you're going to whisper this in your own spirit. Who you got? Because the Holy Spirit is going to tell you who you got. It shouldn't be hard. But it's not going to be somebody in your generation. So I would, you know, years would go by. About four years later, I exited that, that home church and. I would go to Asbury Seminary and go to Wisconsin. I'd come back home and visit. And it dawned on me, every time I go back, Chet Mueller always comes up and says, how you doing, Jimmy? I had forgotten about that. But he, every time, if I were to walk into that church, today, Chet Mueller would come up and he would find me. And he didn't talk to a lot of people. He'd go, how you doing, Jimmy? Let's, let's, let's act like we're going to Panera Bread and buying a really expensive lunch for just a second. And you, got, you know that pick two menu that they might have? That pick two thing? I'm trusting that God's Holy Spirit is going to speak to you to pick somebody who is in the upper generation, a little above you, and pick somebody in a younger generation that's below you. And, and, and you can do this, if you're in fifth grade or eighth grade here, that might mean somebody just a grade or two below you. It just means somebody a little younger than you. Somebody that needs, it, it, who, who, who you got? Go ahead and whisper their name right now. Just, just whisper it right now. We can go to that generational map. And as, as we look at the generational grid, I, I wish I would have cited, I, I felt like I went through a lot of sources and I felt really good about this source, uh, but I forgot to cite it exactly and say where I got th that list from, but it's the list of the generations and, and when they were born. And then the conversation that we had in the middle of this week with people of multiple generations that was so rich, we began to look through and identify what we would call, what is a great trait of each generation? But, but the kind of thing that would be great if, if the, God's spirit was in it. You know, if God's spirit isn't in it, it goes a little weird and wonky. Uh, but let me, let me just walk through the landscape of the living generations amongst us right now. And so you get the great generation. And these are the ones that if they're with us right now, they're 98 towards 126. But they were impacted by the Great Depression. They were molded 
on frugality. They represented the majority of the soldiers that went to World War II, and they understand stewardship. <laughs> they understand taking care of the things that they have been entrusted with. But, but we all know this, that, that stewardship could turn into generosity or could turn just into being thrifty, and there's a big difference between thriftiness and, and generosity. And then you go, my, my parents were part of the silent generation. And because of the Great Depression and because of World War II, the silent generation is one of the smallest generations. And, and they're known somewhat as the silent generation because they're small, but also uh, because they would have been growing up in the age of McCarthyism, and you just kind of kept your mouth a little shut. But you know what? They learned how to build stuff. They're great at building things. When you look back over the era of, of our nation, they, they, they put a lot of things in place and began to build things. And then, followed by the boomers, a really big generation. Um, highly relevant. Uh, actually, they, they get made fun of, but they're actually very adaptable to tech. They've seen a lot of changes in their lifetime. And along with millennials, they can be some of the most mislabeled or misunderstood. But here's what, here's what 20-somethings recognize about baby boomers. If you walk through a grocery store, they will actually talk to you. And they're good at it. <laughs> they're, they're very people-oriented. Relationships matter to them. It, and they're good with face-to-face -face conversations. They're good at that. They, the people do matter. Um, followed by the Gen X crowd. Also highly relevant, they bridge olders and youngers. Uh, oftentimes in, in the world they grew up in, they just decided that, that we're not gonna concern ourselves with the, 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 the societal may lose, all, all the pressure, so much pressure. Everybody's putting pressure, all the kinds of pressure. We'll just kind of like, hey, take it easy, man. A little bit of that. And uh, they have this acceptance of others, which can be wonderful, but it can also not be so wonderful if you're just accepting every which way thing but the Holy Spirit embrace it's great millennials are older than you would think you know uh, that was uh, so you see the the birth range there but they're actually 28 to 42 millennials get blamed for stuff poor millennials um, interesting Tom Brady and Peyton Manning as they aged as quarterbacks on their team uh, they 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 are Gen Xers and they had to learn to be co-workers with millennials and Gen Z types. It's one of the reasons why they were said to be so effective is they could actually build relationships with people in the other generations. Uh, millennials deeply value truth. They want to seek it. They want to defend it. Now, is it, is it God's truth or just some kind of truth? But it is very important to them for truth. Gen Z. Large group, age 10 to 27. These are the ones that were exposed to social media from their very first beginnings. They've dealt with cyberbullying, other kinds of internet issues, and they have this natural curiosity and just love to ask why. Well, why would it? But they might not go, why? It's like, they might go, why? It's like, they, they want to know. If, if, if they understand, it's awesome, but until they understand the why, let's ask the why. Gen Alpha kind of took a, bit of a good guesstimate as this is, group is still continuing to be developed and sorted out, but 
seemed like they were pretty now respondent <laughs> all in all. You know, they'd be up to nine years of age. But if the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is in the now, that's a, that's a wonderful thing all in all. So, so you see the list there. What, what happens if we have generational prejudice or bias? We kind of just get into our own gap and we don't get the beauty of the voices and the influence and the relationships of multiple generations. And God has intended that the Spirit of God is going to be speaking to a variety of generations. And it's, 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 it's friends, the enemy wants to steal this. And church family, it's not going to happen on our watch in our relationships, in our spaces. We're going to go back to the book of Timothy for our closing scriptures with a little bit of commentary. So from 1 Timothy 4, 8. And this, is, this tells us that God's life is, is for the ages. For physical training is of some value, but godliness, uh, it's got value for all things. Holding promise both for the present life and, and the life to come. So as Timothy reads this, he understands the Olympic Games He's seen gymnasiums and people training and having, you know, having endurance days and strength days and learning technique and all that stuff is, is all good, but it's of some value. But God has built us. You know, you know that wherever you go, you bring the Spirit of God with you and that the kingdom of God has already begun. So you bring the kingdom of God to your settings now and the kingdom of God is also going to be fully realized later. You bring the kingdom of God now. It's not just later. So there is deep value in bringing God's kingdom. Um, God's life, as, as we look at this next scripture, and I think we would turn this, is, has a youthful maturity to it. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. But set an example for believers, and this is big, this is the maturity part, in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. I got to work with a young pastor named Kirk when I was in Wisconsin. And the thing about Kirk was he just seemed older than he was in such a good way because he was so wise. You get talking to him and go, wait a second, you're just out of college. How can you be so wise when you're so young? And that, and that, that was the constant theme. And it was really interesting because there was a moment in time when he was working with his vacation Bible school committee that he said something like, oh yeah, my mom, she's ancient. She's in her 40s. And the whole group, my wife was sitting there, you know, everybody, oh, he offended his entire VBS uh, committee in, in, that, in that moment of time. But, but friends, we, we are built to have the sun rises every day. It's like God say, do it again. I just love it. And the lilies, this is a G.K. Chesterton quote. The lilies look just the same because God loves just doing it again. The whales frolic in the ocean and it's kind of odd because God just loves the uniqueness and the quirkiness about it. There is a youthfulness to the Lord God who is eternal and God calls us into that youthful, mature kind of spirit. Um, when my daughter was in middle school, there was a moment in time that she asked us, hey, hey, Pastor Josh, can I just pray for you? They're on one of these mission trips. And the Holy Spirit fell in that moment. And Josh, Josh looked at this 14-year-old and says, what are you, like 45? And that was a compliment. She continues to live with an old soul. Uh, 
God's life is gifted. Do not neglect your gift. Think about how you may be gifted, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. God has placed something in your hand. I don't know if it's, I want you to whisper what people have told you that you've got this. Maybe, maybe you can barbecue. Maybe you, you, you can do carpentry. Maybe you, you do gifts of mercy. Maybe you have wisdom. But just what, what, what is that, that God has done this in your life? But God's life is for the ages. It has this youthful maturity. God's life is gifted, and I want you to hear how abundant and eternal it is. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly and fully to them so that everybody might be able to see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because when you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So we've been saying, you're gonna pick one. I got that one. I got that one and you're gonna look out for him. But when you exit this space today, let's turn the question, who's got you? And I'm not talking about another person. When you exit this space today, the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, looks and says, I got you. I have picked you, I have chosen you, that when you walk out today in the depths of your heart and spirit, you would say that it is God who has created me. It is Jesus who gave his life and took it up again. My sins are forgiven and I want to follow the Lord God Almighty. And you walk out knowing that God's got you and then with deep clarity, you can go, oh God, I'll be looking out for this one and that one. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you that you are in this space and in this moment. Thank you that you meet us and that you are a God of the ages and that you love each and every one. And Lord, for the people that are being placed on our hearts right now, I just praise you for the relationships and the wisdom that is gonna spring forth. And Lord, for those who are going to be partaking communion for the first time today that have said yes to you, Lord, we rejoice and celebrate. In your mighty name, amen.